Nothing like the name of Jesus. Scripture says in him we live and move and have our being. Father, thank you for such a gift that you've given to us. Thank you for the life of Jesus poured out on our behalf. Thank you, God, for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We give you praise today, Lord, and we thank you for who you are and for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to share just a bit as we move toward communion, just a sort of a retelling of the story of this day, if you will. Today, as some of you may know, is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, Pentecost is that time when God has poured out his spirit upon his church. From the beginning of human history, uh, God has uh, purposed to have a people who would know him and love him and follow him. I don't know what that is over there, but we'll just ignore it. Maybe we'll find it in a minute. And yet because God is spirit, God's ideal way of having a people who would know him and love him was that God would actually impart himself uh, to those people, to man and, and woman. God would actually live in his people and express his life through them. I mean, if you can imagine, from the very beginning, God had a plan that, that he would walk so closely and intimately with his people, not as some exterior force, but as an interior guiding light, if you will, the true north, that which uh, enlightens every man and every woman who would come uh, into the earth. Uh, Genesis 2, 7, God created man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into him the breath of life, and they became living beings. You see, this was God uh, giving himself. This was man and woman now perfectly uh, committed and perfectly equipped to live life to the fullest, to know God, uh, to love God, to walk with God in the fullness of intimacy. But alas, Genesis chapter 3 comes, you're familiar, uh, it reveals the diabolical plot of the enemy of God uh, to tempt and draw God's perfect creation into believing and operating from the perspective of a lie. The false perspective of, well, what the Bible calls good and evil or right and wrong rather than from the internal perspective of the Spirit of God himself living in their hearts, guiding them with holiness and righteousness and truth, where God alone would be the source of their good, where God alone would be the source of their right, where he alone would be the source of their holiness and their righteousness. The fall of man, as we term it, was not pretty and is not even today, leaving them defenseless, void of the Spirit. God said that in the day that you eat of it, you will die, and that death was the, the departure of God's presence from them. Alone, they would fend for themselves in the world. 
They would soon learn the meaning of right and wrong. They would soon experience the reality of good and evil and their paradise into which they were created and placed and God in them came to a screeching halt as they believed the lie. And now for multiple generations we can look around us and even the news yesterday of yet another terrorist attack in London, it goes on and on. We see the real implications of what life without God in the center of the human heart looks like. For multiple generations, man has chosen to live out and experience the full weight of his sin of independence from God, living under the law of God, the law of good and evil, the law of right and wrong, what the Bible calls the law of sin and death. And yet, in the midst of all of it, we find that God had a plan for man's inevitable detour into independence and sin. From the very beginning, God, well, he knew from the foundation of the earth. And yet he created. He would allow them to experience the crushing weight of right and wrong and the reality of what they could never accomplish uh, in their good and in their right and in their own strength. Uh, Tommy Cameron, are you in here, Tommy? He said to me this morning, you know, um, it never fails when I feel that I'm at my lowest point when I feel that my own resources have come to an end, that's when God shows up and seems to use me the most. And I said, Tommy, you're getting it. You see, it's never about us. And if you're here today and you know, you, you say, I've never really felt, get over feeling. It's not about your feeling. It's about faith in who God is and what he has said because every one of his promises, Matt, are yes and amen. You see, and when the people of God hear what God has for them and responds to him in simple faith, he then executes his plan in their life. Well, Galatians, uh, in the midst of God having created the diabolical scheme of the enemy, having come to fruition, the fall having occurred, living life independently and alone and destitute in the world, Yet the scripture says in Galatians 4, and I'm going to read from verses 4 through 6, but when the fullness of time had come, and I take that to mean that when God had so allowed his world, living independently from him, to unwind and to experience not only the positional sort of issue of sin, but the experiential reality of what it produces in a life. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, who was born of a woman, born under the law in order to redeem those who were under the law. And God has then sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. And this spirit now cries out from within us, Daddy, Abba, Father. You see, God's plan of redemption, his plan to restore paradise, began with the sending of his own son, Jesus, who was born of a woman, born in like manner of you and me. He experienced every temptation that you and I have experienced and will experience, and yet the scripture says he was without sin because he was utterly submitted to his father. Never did he exercise his independent right of independence. 
And ultimately, he would redeem those who were under the law, for he would perfectly fulfill the law for us, which we could never fulfill in ourselves. And then through the death and resurrection of his son, we would overcome, he would overcome sin and death and send forth the promise of his Holy Spirit into our hearts. Now, as we step back from these sort of theological tenets, if you will, and if today is Pentecost Sunday and we just sort of review the, well, the church calendar, if you will. Remember, uh, Christmas celebrates the incarnation, the coming of Jesus into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. Remember that Easter celebrates the death of Jesus, Good Friday. But not just the death of Jesus, but the resurrection of Jesus uh, for our sin on Easter morning, overcoming death through his resurrection from the dead. The ascension. Jesus didn't simply stay alive and walked on the earth. He ascended back to the Father. And the ascension celebrates the coronation of Jesus the King. Jesus really does rule, seated right now at the right hand of the Father. But 50 days later, after the ascension, Pentecost celebrates the giving of the Holy Spirit back to all who would believe and receive this precious gift of God's presence. You see, it is not enough that Jesus died for our sin, though that's an important aspect. It isn't really just enough that Jesus is alive from the grave, because that would simply make him still sort of far off. But he ascended back to the Father, and that wasn't enough. God determined what he had in the original context of creation. The paradise where he would live inside his people was where this thing would go. And on the day of Pentecost, we're told that the Spirit of God was poured out so that you and I could now have the real presence of God living in our lives. Not just a positional reality. So now I'm righteous, and someday I'll be with Jesus. Yes, that is all true, but the reality is that God with us, Emmanuel, God with us now by the Spirit is living his life in the midst of us. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when they were all in one accord in, in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as if it were a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues, as it were, as of fire, and one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, God had fully accomplished what he had purposed from the beginning before the foundation of the earth, that he would first of all redeem his people through the sacrifice of his son, through his death and through his resurrection. But he, he would also overcome sin and death through the death and resurrection, our sin, and that once again he would re-inhabit, he would come back and live his life in the midst of us, God's most precious possession. God wants to live in us. Can your mind get around that reality? That the God who created everything that you see around us actually has condescended and prepared the way in your heart by Jesus' death and your death in him and Jesus' resurrection and your resurrection in him for a perfectly created tabernacle or, 
or cathedral into which God's presence would now come so that you could walk around, so that he could walk around in your skin. That's really the reality of the gospel. The Holy Spirit was poured out so that he would take his rightful place in the sanctuary of human hearts. One final scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says this, The Lord is the Spirit. You see, there's a lot of confusion, I think, in the church about the work of the Spirit. Who's the Father? Who's the Son? Who's the Spirit? Jesus of Nazareth, raised, dead, raised, ascended, Holy Spirit. God is one. And yet he expresses himself in different ways in three different persons. And so the, the, in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is now liberty. Is there bondage of any type in your life? Matt picked up on what are the giants in your life? What are the fears? What are the issues? Whatever feels like your need is the exact place that God wants to meet that need. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's liberation from the law of sin and death. Jesus fulfilled that law of sin and death for us. There's liberation from our real tangible sin and the consequence of it, which is death. Jesus became sin for us by allowing himself to be nailed to a tree. And on it he died for your sin and for mine. Not part of it, but as the old hymn says, but the whole of it. Your sin in the past, your sin in the present, and even your sin in the future. How did that happen? Jesus died some 2,000 years ago, and all of your sin was wrapped up in him when he said it is finished. And now the consequence of his death and resurrection are poured out upon you. Liberation from our sin and death and liberation now from in living independently. Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ, by his Spirit, lives in me. There's liberty to know God. There's liberty to love him and to follow him by virtue of the life that he's imparted to each one of us. This morning, I'm going to recommend that each one of us pray a prayer in the way you want to pray it, in your own words. But it goes something like this. As you come forward this morning and as you stand, we're going to come forward for communion. But as you come forward and as you stand, the act of standing and the act of walking, would you do it as a prophetic declaration that you're inviting and receiving afresh the infilling of God's Spirit into your life, a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit into your heart, Christ living in you? Now, it occurs to me that there may be some people here this morning who really have never trusted Christ. You may be, have been in church all of your life. You may know a lot of information, but you've never really fully trusted Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength because you've been waiting for some sort of feeling to come upon you. It's never about how you feel, as I said earlier. It's always about what God said he would do and simple faith in what he has said. If you're here today and have never made a declaration of God from this day forward, I am choosing to open my heart and to receive Jesus as my Savior, reckoning his death my death 
and reckoning his resurrection my resurrection and reckoning now a heart that is open so you Holy Spirit would come the Lord who is the Spirit will come and he will fill your heart you pray that prayer in whatever way you want to this morning if you're a Christian God as I stand and as I walk forward I open my life and ask for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit of your presence if you've never demonstrated to yourself this is how I stand and this is how I will walk from this day forward then simply open your heart and say God here I am as I stand and as I walk I am declaring my heart is wide open come and fill me with your presence that's your challenge this morning father thank you that you've given us your word it is absolutely trustworthy in all of its ways all of your promises are yes and they are amen Lord it isn't how we may feel about them it's not even so much what we think about them it really matters what you have said and God would you begin to stir faith in the hearts of all of your people this morning to receive a fresh infilling or to receive that special gift of your life perhaps for the very first time as we come to this celebration of communion we remember that Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed he took bread with his disciples and he broke it saying this is my body given for you as often as you eat of this bread do so in remembrance of me and similarly Jesus took the cup and he poured it out after he had eaten with his disciples and he said this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you representing my blood as often as you drink of it would you do so in remembrance of me Lord take these common elements this bread this juice and would you allow us by faith as we stand and as we walk to declare the life of Jesus on our behalf the death of Jesus for our sin and the coming and the impartation and re-inhabiting of our life by your Holy Spirit and God for that we give you thanks in the name of Jesus just a reminder you can never be good enough to come to this feast it's because Jesus was good enough and he said come elders would you come and take your stations at uh, each of the tables and I'm going to ask uh, that we come forward let's begin again at the top uh, our, yeah come on the first shall be last or the highest maybe the, the first I don't know but father thank you for this time and as we come now together would you do that which only you can do supernaturally beyond anything that we can imagine for we declare that we belong to you we declare your spirit is now being allowed full reign full sway in our lives have your way finally as you take communion uh, would you then be open to God ministering through you or to you to others who are around you you are the body of Christ and individually members of it come on forward
If you need prayer, elbow somebody and say, hey, could you pray for me? If you sense God wanting you to pray for somebody, simply bold, be bold. Michael will bring the elements around to any of you who may need them. These stations are now open. Come as you are led.